Welcome to the audio version of the newsletter of the Christian Study Center of Gainesville. In this week's installment, Director Richard Horner reflects on the manner in which digital media frames our thinking about the critical issues we currently face as a society. Some of you hearing this know that one of the questions I like to ask is, what frames what? I ask this question in order to get at the often unrecognized ideas, beliefs, and values in the background that shape the ways we think. Because we rarely think about them, we often refer to them as assumptions, and yet these framing ideas have tremendous consequences for how we talk and how we live. They are also typically embedded deep down in our practices. Lately, I've been asking myself this question again and find myself especially concerned about the ways that social media have come to frame our most important discussions about life, including important issues of race and justice. In recent newsletters, Mike Sacassis has been exploring our digital framework in his usual understated but insightful manner and raising good questions in the process. Quote, what does it mean to speak and act responsibly in these times? He asked a couple months ago. Quoting again, how does one love one's neighbor on a social media platform, close quote. I know Mike well enough to know that this was not a rhetorical question. He meant it, and so do I. While it is easy to speak up on social media and easy to feel good about saying the right thing, it is much harder really to know how to love one's neighbor. One hopes that the net effect of all of our talk on social media will turn out to be positive, but I do wonder, and I am concerned. As Mike has taught me, digitized media encourage and reward certain behaviors, and inversely, they discourage and punish other behaviors. They reward the immediate, quick condemnation of what's wrong in the world, and they encourage simplistic solutions. They discourage the thoughtful silence in which one might listen, learn, and reflect before speaking. As Mike observed, quote, social media demands something of us, but it is not thought. It demands a reaction, one that is swift, emotionally charged, and in keeping with the affective tenor of the platform. In many respects, this entails not only an absence of thought, but conditions that are overtly hostile to thought." Close quote. Recently, one of our alumni made a similar observation about his own attempt to respond thoughtfully to the racial injustices that he was finding deeply troubling. Quote, what I thought I was doing was trying to understand the problem in the deepest possible way, he wrote, but my reactions made me appear as though I don't care as much about racial problems as others did, close quote. By daring to think before he spoke, he found himself subject to the media watchdogs who are making their lists and posting them twice in a way that is curiously parallel to the pharisaical tendency for Christians to distinguish themselves from sinners by making judgments based in appearance, the discourse of social media lures us into a shallow judgmentalism that allows us to condemn others and feel good about ourselves. 
The great danger here is that what might be called hashtag culture tempts us to think that by saying the right things on our Facebook page or Instagram, we have fulfilled our responsibility and done our part. This is a serious problem. Our digitized world narrows our vision for seeking justice and doing good. It blinds us to the fact that genuine progress on any important issue requires quiet thoughtfulness, listening, learning, and patient, persistent action. As another of our alumni wrote to me, quote, I too have struggled with how to respond during this time because these are issues that I have been thinking about and responding to for as long as I can remember. I felt troubled that the influx of responses on social media might be another reason for people to quickly forget about the deep need for reconciliation in just a few months when the next thing arrives. I'm grateful that more attention has been brought to racial reconciliation in the past few months, but I'm concerned that it will pass away without many people finding their lives or perspectives much changed. She concluded, that's deep slow work, close quote. It takes patience, persistence, and time. In Mike's discussion of these issues, he is often focused on what he calls the temporal structures of social media, noting that the patterns of digitally mediated reality can overwhelm other modes of perception, temporality, and place Mike has encouraged us to extend our temporal horizon beyond the short-lived temporal frame assumed by social media. The effect of our digital media ecosystems is consistent, he writes. The focus is inexorably on the fleeting present. The past has no hold and the future does not come into play. Elsewhere, Mike has observed that the element of time is an often unperceived factor in our anxiety about figuring out what should be done. At what temporal scale ought we to be thinking, he asks, or better, at what temporal scales, plural, ought we to be thinking? What are the proper temporal horizons framing our moment? As Mike puts it, Without minimizing the need to act justly and responsibly in the moment, we should also consider expanding the temporal horizons within which our thinking and acting must unfold. We should consider not only what we must do about what is happening right now, we should also consider what we must do with a view to the next year, the next decade, perhaps even the next century. Within this longer frame of time, more meaningful actions also come into view. If I am fixated on the moment and my circumstances, as is often the case, afford me no obvious way of acting in the present crisis, then I might conclude there is nothing for me to do at all." Close quote. Even worse, I would add, if we allow our digitized world to frame our understanding of justice, we might think, that by posting incessantly on our social media, we will have fulfilled our responsibility and done all we need do. Personally, I am far less interested in knowing what any of us posted on our social media in the days immediately after the death of Ahmad Arbery in Georgia 
or of Breonna Taylor in Louisville, or of George Floyd Jr. in Minneapolis, than I am in what initiatives we were taking six months or a year before Ahmad's death, or what any of us will be doing six months or a year from now. It is all too easy for us to jump in with Pavlovian alacrity and say something that will leave us feeling good about ourselves. It is far more demanding to do something that will never get into the news and never be broadcast on social media, but will actually do some good somehow, or at least have the potential to do so. When Richard Spencer visited the campus of the University of Florida a few years ago, I made the personal decision that it is not enough just to be right about what's wrong. Being right about what's wrong is important, but I do want to encourage us not simply to join the chorus and think that we have done what needed to be done. Being right about what's wrong is easy, and if that is all we care about, we need only keep on posting. If, however, we want to see hearts and minds and practices and structures changed, we will need to do more than what our social media ask of us. We will have to swim against the current and give a place to silence, to listening and learning, to thought and action, and do so in ways that are marked by patience and persistence. Action will probably include words at some point, but social media may or may not provide the right platform for those words. And when it is time to utilize the internet, our digital media need not set the pace or dictate the terms of our engagement.